It's the confluence where the news comes together on 90.5 WESA. I'm Kevin Gavin. According to the CDC, on average, 1,600 people die from gun violence in Pennsylvania each year. Here in Pittsburgh, there were 71 homicides in 2022, a 39% jump over the previous year. Lieutenant Governor Austin Davis, a McKeesport native, is looking to explore what community-based initiatives are addressing gun violence. He started his Safer Communities Tour last week here in Pittsburgh and concluded it in Erie yesterday. Lieutenant Governor Davis, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's great to be with you and all your listeners this morning. So how many cities or counties did you visit on this tour? You know, we started in Pittsburgh and we went across the Commonwealth. We went from Pittsburgh to York uh, to Philadelphia to Allentown to Wilkes-Barre to Erie. So uh, every region across this Commonwealth, because uh, we know that gun violence is not just a Pittsburgh issue and it's not just a Philadelphia issue, as it's so often framed. It is a Pennsylvania issue uh, and uniquely an American issue. In an earlier appearance on The Confluence, you told us that violence was the catalyst to get you involved with public service when you were 16. It's now 17 years later. You are the youngest lieutenant governor in the nation. What, if any, progress is government making, is society making in reducing violence? Well, you know, we saw a number of uh, programs across the Commonwealth that are making significant strides. Here in Pittsburgh, the Neighborhood Resilience Project uh, ran by Father Paul Abernathy is doing a tremendous job here in the region uh, through its trauma uh, trauma response teams. And uh, we have made significant strides. I'm proud of the fact that locally when I was uh, serving in county government before I became an elected official, uh, I helped start the first Office of Violence Prevention in the Allegheny County Health Department. Uh, and I'm thrilled to see how that's grown over the years. Uh, I believe County Executive Fitzgerald announced a $50 million investment uh, to take on gun violence in our region. Uh, But there are phenomenal organizations who are working day in and day out who often don't you don't see them in the, on the newspapers or on the radio, uh, but they're doing the hard work each and every day in communities, running programs, successful violence prevention programs to help make sure our communities are safer. Uh, I'm disappointed in the years that uh, I got involved in public service that we haven't seemingly gotten, uh, we haven't tackled this problem, um, this epidemic of gun violence, uh, but I'm committed to doing that in, in this role. And uh, I think we have to take a comprehensive Uh, approach to tackling gun violence in our communities. And that means uh, continued investments in successful violence prevention programs. Uh, That means addressing the root causes of violence like uh, poverty and a lack of opportunity, making sure every young person uh, has the opportunity to get a quality education here in the Commonwealth and making sure there are strong workforce development programs so young people can join the middle class, uh, leave high school, get directly into the workforce and and join the middle class. And finally, we need to enact common sense legislation in Harrisburg, like red flag laws and universal background checks and safe storage uh, and a ban on ghost guns. I'm proud of the fact that the state house took up two pieces of legislation earlier this year, uh, red flag laws and universal background checks and passed it through the Pennsylvania House. And I'm hopeful that uh, my colleagues in the Pennsylvania Senate will do the same. All right. Now, you mentioned some pieces of legislation. So these have been talked about for years, many of them. 
Uh, why might you be hopeful that it gets passed, any of them get passed this time around? You know, look, I, I'm hopeful because I think the climate is different. I think the public is on our side. And as we continue to see uh, these shootings that take place all across this Commonwealth, uh, during my six months as lieutenant governor, there have been a number of police officers who've been killed, including uh, Officer Sean Slagansky, uh, a city of McKeesport police officer who was shot and killed by somebody who was suffering from mental issues. And uh, that person's family knew he was suffering and knew he had access to guns. And uh, had there been a red flag laws on the books, uh, we would have been able to, the, his family could have gotten the guns out of his possession, gotten the help that he needed, and Officer Slagansky would still be alive today. And so I think these incidents are going to continue to happen unless uh, uh, Republicans in Harrisburg stand up to the gun lobby, quite frankly, uh, and decide that they're going to put Pennsylvania's safety, Pennsylvania's safety first and foremost. You, as lieutenant governor, are chair of the Pennsylvania Commission on Crime and Delinquency. Philadelphia just experienced a mass shooting July 3rd, and the city is now suing the manufacturer of so-called ghost guns or parts sold by manufacturers used to build firearms. You mentioned ghost gun legislation, but will the PCCD, the commission, support this lawsuit? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if that is our necessarily our role to support the lawsuit. I think, uh, I, I think as lieutenant governor, I think the city's doing the right thing. There, are, these these instruments shouldn't be uh, on the streets in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we at the commission primarily fund uh, programs through law enforcement, violence intervention programs, and do a lot of training. I don't know that it's necessarily our role to to take a side in a lawsuit and interject ourselves. Uh, but I can tell you, I certainly support that effort. We need to do everything we can uh, to make sure Philadelphia and Pennsylvania communities are safe. So uh, very briefly following up, uh, do you believe lawsuits such as this can help address the gun violence issue, though? Yeah, I think these lawsuits can. But I think in the absence of enacting common sense legislation, communities like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are forced into these lawsuits. I think uh, elected officials in Harrisburg who swore an oath to protect and serve our communities need to carry out that oath by passing red flag laws, universal background checks, safe storage laws, and a ban on ghost guns. The reality is uh, these lawsuits are a last resort, but legislators in Harrisburg can pass legislation to deal with this problem. This is a problem that we can do something about. Uh, you know, it's it, the, the number one cause of death for young people in Pennsylvania is guns now. It's not cancer. It's not uh, sickness. It's not uh, uh, car accidents. It's guns. And there is something that we can do about, about it. And it's time uh, for leaders in Harrisburg to stand up and do the, do something about it. And I'm so glad uh, that my uh, former colleagues in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives did just that. All right, Lieutenant Governor, but without the legislation, can lawsuits, can the intervention grants, the violence intervention and prevention grants, can they be enough without the legislation that you've talked about? No, it, it can't be enough. We, the reality is we have to tackle this from a comprehensive approach. It's not, we're not going to do this with one thing. We're not going to just do it with violence prevention grants. We're not going to just do it with, uh, uh, with lad creating ladders of opportunities to address the root causes of violence. We're going to end this epidemic by doing all of those things, by enacting common sense 
legislation, by addressing the root causes of community violence, uh, by continuing to make investments in violence prevention programs. I, I refuse to accept uh, that legislators can't pass these laws. They can pass these laws. Uh, we need to make, uh, you're elected to make hard decisions uh, on behalf of the people that you represent. And it's time that legislators in Harrisburg do that uh, to end the epidemic of gun violence in our communities. The yeah. governor has said he will sign those pieces of legislation if they get to his desk, and it's time for them to send them to his desk. Uh, you mentioned the violence prevention grants, $40 million uh, for intervention grants included in the budget that was passed first by the Senate and then by the House, but not sent to the governor for his signature. House Democrats voted for it only after the governor publicly promised to line item veto $103 million designated for school vouchers, the Lifeline Scholarships. Republicans uh, cried foul, saying the governor went back on a promise to them that he would support the vouchers. So did the governor make two contradictory promises, one to the House Democrats and one to the Senate Republicans? No, no. As the governor has said, there was never a final agreement. Senate Republicans couldn't close the deal with House Democrats. That's what happened. Uh, they decide, uh, Senate Republicans decided to send the bill over to the House on its own. The governor was unwilling to hold up the entire $45 billion budget over a $100 million program. Uh, we made a decision that, uh, as we've said all along, it's time for Pennsylvanians to take off their red jerseys and their blue jerseys and put on their Pennsylvania jersey. Uh, and the governor uh, wanted to move forward and make sure Pennsylvania had a budget in place uh, and we could continue to debate these pressing issues. But uh, the governor wants to sign a budget. It's time for Senate Republicans to come back to Harrisburg to send it to them. Uh, this bill has been passed by the House. It has been passed by Senate Republicans. Uh, they voted for this budget. Uh, it's time to come back to the, to Harrisburg and send it to the governor's desk. I'm prepared to sign it and send it over as soon as the Senate reconvenes. All right. Brief follow up. Very brief follow up on that. Do you think it might have been a misunderstanding because Senate Republicans insist that the governor agreed to this? Do you think they misunderstood because they say he promised to bring the House Democrats on board? No, I don't think there was a misunderstanding. I think the governor was clear all along that he spoke for himself and not House Democrats and that Senate Republicans needed to engage uh, in, a, in a constructive dialogue with House Democrats that they needed to work together. And we've said all along that the House and the Senate need to continue to find a way to work together. So uh, I, I don't think there was a a a misunderstanding. I think, quite frankly, Senate Republicans are, are, are playing politics and trying to shift the blame uh, away from their inability to work with House Democrats. According to the calendar, the Senate's not scheduled to return to session until the third week of September because the budget has not been signed by Senate leadership, sent to the governor, and the code bills that usually accompany a budget have not been approved. Are we going to be without a budget for at least another two months? Well, we're saying, we've said all along that Senate Republicans need to come back and, and do their job and finish the job that they started. Um, the reality is they schedule the dates in which the Senate is in session. They can decide to come back tomorrow. Uh, so that September date doesn't really mean anything. Uh, they should decide, they should come back to Harrisburg, finish the job that they started and, and not make Pennsylvanians continue on this impasse. Have there been any communications between the governor's office and Senate Republicans in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, we are in the governor's office, my office, we're in continued conversations with both chambers. Uh, and as we've continued to say, the governor, the, the Senate Republicans need to find a way 
to work together with House Democrats to find a way to compromise. During a budget impasse, many state services keep going as usual, but some payments to certain human services uh, nonprofits stop. My colleague, Katia Marisi, reports that some social service organizations are becoming anxious about funding, thinking back to that impasse of 2015-16 when the budget was nine months late. So are, what would you say to social service organizations rely, that rely on state money to do their services? I would say that they should call Senate Republican Republican state senators and encourage them to come back and to do their job and send the governor the budget that they voted on. Will the school districts get their state appropriations in time? Let's face it, the new school year starts in about five to six weeks. As long as Senate Republicans come back to Harrisburg and pass the budget that they voted on and pass, they will get their funding in time. I don't know how many ways to say this, but Senate Republicans need to come back and finish the job that they started. The governor has said he will sign the budget. We just need them to send it to us. Finally, this impasse, how do you think it affects the relationship between the governor's office and Republicans going forward? You know, look, the reality is the governor and I have said very clearly, we will work with anybody, Democrats, Republicans and independents to move Pennsylvania forward. And so that's exactly what we're going to continue to do. Uh, And I believe Senate Republicans will continue to do that as well. Do you think this is spoiled uh, relationships? I think this is one budget out of four that we're going to have to do in our first in our term as as governor and lieutenant governor. And I think we're always going to be committed to finding a way uh, to work together. Lieutenant Governor Austin Davis, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. It's the Confluence on 90.5 WESA. I'm Kevin Gavin. Changes that could open a two-year window in the statute of limitations for survivors of sexual abuse in the state of Pennsylvania is in limbo. Marcy Hamilton is the founder and CEO of Child USA, a nonprofit working to end child abuse and neglect. Marcy, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Marcy, why is it taking so long to widen the statute of limitations, to give a longer period of time uh, for survivors to address their needs? Tragically, for the children of Pennsylvania, it's just bare politics. Just politics. That's it. So we're at the point where both houses have passed a bill they like, but each one doesn't like the other house's bill. And uh, frankly, this is an issue that the governor ran on during his campaign. Uh, He's a hero in this field. And uh, we're all disappointed to see that during the budget negotiations, this has not happened. So, So here's the issue. Right now, we've got Maryland, New Jersey, New York, and Delaware have already opened windows. We're way behind. Maryland opened one that's backwards and forwards. There'll never be a statute of limitations for any child sex abuse victim in that state. And we're fighting over a constitutional amendment. So uh, it's it's the survivor's perspective. It's the advocate's perspective. Uh, All three offices need to come together. Leadership in both houses and the governor. And frankly, the constitutional amendment is the thing that keeps dragging this on. And so we implore the governor to find the pathway to, a, to not a constitutional amendment, just an ordinary statute 
Let's identify the perpetrators working right now in the state. The state Senate passed an omnibus bill with constitutional amendments, proposed amendments, which included the statute of limitations, among other things, and other things, voter ID requirements. It was sent to the House, who then stripped that legislation, everything but the statute of limitations. Now, according to a statement from Kate Flessner, spokesperson for the Senate Republican Caucus, Quote, it was not until the end of May that the House passed Senate Bill 1 after removing two of the three constitutional amendments. While the House decided to remove two of the three measures from Senate Bill 1 as it was passed by the Senate, our caucus remains open to conversations about how to accomplish all three of the important constitutional amendments initially included in SB 1, end quote. So one path for widening the statute of limitations has been held up by these two constitutional amendments? Apparently so. Uh, Here's the issue. As I said, this is just politics now. We're way out of the realm of everyone just wanting to protect children. We have a majority of support in both houses. The Senate's position you just stated is essentially give us two constitutional amendments, a voter ID and overcoming the governor's veto in certain circumstances, that those are somehow the price for something the Republicans in the Senate already promised. Um, The fact that the Senate is so comfortable knowing that children are being sexually abused in this state right now, that they are covering up for those sex abusers, is an outrage. And so uh, the problem here is, if they're going to insist on three constitutional amendments, they actually need to get real They need to be sitting down with the House. I think everybody's going to have to hate the result. That's what a compromise is all about. But I haven't seen any compromise. All I see is the Senate with its three uh, bundled amendments, which devalues the children, and the House with its one statute and one amendment that the Senate won't even talk about, and the governor. So if you can't put leadership in both houses, the governor in a room, uh, we got a problem in this state. Mm-hmm. And this is the one issue that should have floated above, absolutely far above. The state came close to getting this window in 2021 until an administrative error by the Pennsylvania Department of State forced the process to start over. What did it feel like to have this process seem like it was close to the finish line and then get derailed? So this is traumatizing to all the survivors that have been trying to work on this issue for so many years. But it is a reminder, as both the governor, when he was attorney general, and I, as a constitutional scholar at University of Pennsylvania, have said repeatedly, a window is not unconstitutional in the state of Pennsylvania. So what's happening here is once the Republicans got the concession on having an amendment, it has been nothing but procedural snafus. And right now, they're pushing us right up to the very end of any possibility of even being on the November ballot. So at this point, it's just time for the two sides and the governors sit down, talk about a rational window and do it. So more than 20 states have passed legislation to make it easier for survivors to file civil lawsuits Do you think it's time to just forget about the constitutional amendment, which, if in place, would be stronger, and then just focus on statutory legislation 
Do you think that would have a chance in a Democratic House and a Republican-controlled Senate? Well, it sure should, because right now we have persuaded over 20 states to revive expired SOLs, but uh, the trend is moving farther and farther away. The idea that you've got a two-year window, which is going to be ensconced in a constitutional amendment, puts Pennsylvania behind the curve. As I said, Maryland has passed a permanent window, backwards and forwards, no SOL ever. Uh, Pennsylvania has been at this since 2005. It's just time to do the right thing, pass a statute, and then watch the predators come to light. Whether it's legislation or a proposed constitutional amendment, why two years? Why, Why is that being discussed in Pennsylvania? Well, it's being discussed because it was the term in the original 2011 first bill. The problem here is the rest of the country is moving forward while Pennsylvania dithers on a two-year window when it should be talking about what Maryland did, a permanent window. Very briefly, in 2019, the legislature removed the criminal statute of limitations and extended the window for victims to file a civil suit until age 55. The proposals we've been talking about would apply to older survivors of abuse. For some of these survivors, is time running out to get justice? So what happened with the elimination of criminal and the extension to 55, that's not retroactive. So all of these victims who uh, are miss, missed the deadline years ago still need justice. Are you a hopeful person this could get on the ballot, a constitutional amendment, or a, a legislature-passed uh, bill? Uh, right now, uh, everybody knows I'm the biggest optimist in the country. Right now, uh, politics, governor, Senate, and House leadership, it's up to them. Marcy Hamilton is the founder and CEO of Child USA. Marcy, thanks for your time today. Thanks so much. And for today, that is the confluence where the news comes together on 90.5 WESA. Next time, the state Senate has been trying to reform Pennsylvania's probation system. The ACLU says the changes might do more harm than good. Plus, we hear about new Medicaid coverage for street medicine. Thanks to our team, Addison Deal, Laura Sitsui, and Mary Lee Williams. I'm Kevin Gavin. Until next time, hope you have a good day of good news.